Hello, everybody, and welcome to the green team of the Legendarium. I'm Chesky, and I have with me a crew of ne'er-do-wells. I have Little Red, the hitter. Hello. <laughs> I have Solution, the grifter. Hey. <laughs> I have Lammy, the mastermind for Scalzi propaganda. I'm also the demolitions expert. Perfect. I am the hacker, <laughs> and you, dear listener, are the thief. Join us as we steal the quality of this and other books the main crew of the Legendarium is afraid to tackle, and embark with us while we talk about Starter Villain by John Scalzi. So, first off, let's just have everybody say, in a non-spoilery way, did you like Starter Villain? Was it a good Scalzi book? That's right. Keep it spoiler-free, everybody. Who wants to start? <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Um, so... I have very complicated feelings about this, which is weird for a John Scalzi book. Um, I'd give it a four, but it is in places so incredibly cynical. It's funny, but very cynical. And I have some issues with that, just as a personal taste thing. Okay, that's I fair. Liked it. I liked it better than Kaiju uh, Preservation, I think. Wow, that's a hot take. Lammy, how do you feel? Uh, this one hit very middle of the road Scalzi for me, which is still extremely good. Like John Scalzi's writing is very much my taste in books. Um, so I'd say probably a four, like his stuff usually runs like three and a half to five for me on a five point scale. This one hits about a four. Um, and unlike red, I have taste and Kaiju preservation society was, was better than this in many ways. That's the take we're here for. All right, Solution, hit us up. So I'll go in between. Uh, I actually like Kaiju Society a little bit more, just a little bit. I felt like this one was just a, a little bit of a slower start. Still really fun. Still really enjoyed it. I'm going to I'm gonna give it a four. I think I gave like Kaiju a 4.5. Um, yeah, so I'll give this one a four. It was a really solid book. I like his standalone works. And this uh, the story was fun with a lot of meta commentary. Perfect. I liked it. I, I felt like for me, it was a lower Scalzi book. Um, I've been listening to his Dispatcher, and I really liked that. That was a lot of fun. But this one, it just, I, I can't talk about it yet because we're trying to stay spoiler free. But there were just a few, I, I liked it a lot, but I still just had a little issues with it. it just didn't ring with me 100%. So I'd give it like a 3.75 to a 4, you know. Lammy? Uh to just like expand a little bit on Kaiju mm -hmm. versus this as I feel like it's fair to compare them because they are both, you know, standalone books. They're mm -hmm. the two most recent things that John Scalzi has published. There is comparison to be made and comparisons will be made whether they're fair or not. Uh, the biggest thing I think is that I would gladly read more stuff in the Kaiju Preservation Society universe where with this one, I don't know that I... Like if he if he writes another one, I'm gonna read it. But I don't know that I want that. I would agree with you there for sure because I don't know that I ever want to go back to this world. Um, whereas Kaiju, I did. I think that this is gonna sound super weird. There's a certain tick in Kaiju Preservation Society that gets really annoying, and it's not in this book, which is why I think I like it more. Is the uh, is the funny tick? I lift things. Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's not unfunny, except it's kind of like... Okay, now, uh, that leads us a to a question here. Huron okay. uh, has asked, and this I think we can say in our non-spoiler section, he says, is it funny like Kaiju Preservation Society? Now, to remind you, though, Huron did not like Kaiju Preservation Society, so... I think the humor's better in this book. 
personally. And I, Lammy's already, okay, go Lammy. <laughs> uh, it is not funny in the same way that Kaiju Preservation Society was funny. Kaiju Preservation Society was references. Wall-to-wall, endless references. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost to the point of being too much, and maybe not so great on a reread. Uh, I don't know. I've only gone through it three times now. Sounds like so I'm not the first two rereads. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I really enjoy the plot and like the world, so... I yeah. can I can sort of skate past the uh, the references that get old pretty quick, but uh, yeah, this is the the humor in this one comes from the situations and the characters rather than rather than people making references constantly. Although Perfect. there are quite a few re- references, but they're all like enduring references as opposed to very much fleeting ones. Like, well, you got to remember. Kaiju preservation was basically set because of like COVID around those times, so more of a uh, present day, if you want to say, whereas this is a lot of old school spy bond stuff that's already lasted decades. 100%. And here's another compa- comparison between the two books. Both start out with everything in the main character's life is just completely blown out. Just everything is terrible. And then they're giving this weird opportunity. So I feel I- like that's a common thread in a lot of books, not necessarily just John Scalzi's now that is a, a true fact that they're very similar in this one but I think I could with some time name a couple where that's kind of the case this is this is very much in the Scalzi formula like mm-hmm. starter villain very much hit the Scalzi formula which happens to be a formula that I enjoy as as I've said but like if oh. if you know the formula you can already plot out the the big beats of the book basically and, and I'm not complaining <laughs> I'm not complaining I just want to say one thing for me is that the last two kaiju in this one, I feel like they've had they've had a very kind of overwhelming, you know, meta take, you know, inside of them. And and that's not a bad thing. That's, you know, the author's choice to write that. in. I just felt it was maybe a little much for me this time. But that's what he wants to write. And I liked it still. Like, it just does that make sense what I'm trying to say? No, I agree. Um, I would like depending on whatever standalone he does next. I'm hoping it's more different, more like red shirts almost mm-hmm. where it's about the, well, it's about the genre, but I guess this is technically about the genre as well, but it does a lot of meta commentary about uh, the current economic state and, and stuff of uh, present day. All right. Now here's the most serious question in our non-spoilery section here. You guys uh, solutions ready for this is, do you prefer the U S cover or the UK cover? Oh, well, which one's the one? All right, one's obviously with the uh, the cat is the business cat in the tuxedo. Yeah, yeah so that's business US. cat is that's U.S. The US and then the black and red one is the uh, U.K. All right, well I got this. Okay, business cat for the U.S. is funnier, but the U.K. one fits is more appropriate because it's a it's a riff. Doesn't it have the the gun barrel kind of like Bond um, around the edges? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that that's, that is very Bondy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the. Thematically appropriate, the UK cover. Okay, Lammy, you're up. Uh, I prefer the US cover because Business Cat is a delight. Uh, there is a, a small continuity error with, with Business Cat being on the cover that we can get into in the spoiler section. Okay. Red, how do you feel? I don't care. <laughs> you don't wow. care. I don't. Wow. That's, uh, but if you had to pick... If I had to pick Sophie's choice, you got to do it right now. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Right now. 
I'll give you time to think. I prefer the UK version. I just think it's funny. It's good. Um, I, the US version is just, it's funny. I prefer the uh, the UK one. It makes you heard it here. Like Chesky it. hates cats. Okay, That's Red, right. what I do hate you got? my cat. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can understand hating your cat. That happens sometimes. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the UK cover. I think I think okay. it has that okay. Bondy feel. I mean, doesn't he have a cat in his lap? Like he's stroking the cat on this throne. I, I posted it in our little group chat. But yeah. All right. That was everything I had for the non-spoilery sections. This book does come out on September 19th, 2023. It's, uh, I think it was worth a read, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I killed this thing off in about 18 hours. It does like, suck. From, from the time I, I, I opened up the, the ebook until I finished, it was approximately 18 hours real time. That was not 18 hours of just straight reading. It was more <laughs> like 17 and a half. I had to use the bathroom once. Are you saying it's not a 10,000-page uh, book <laughs> capable no. of killing cats and small children? <laughs> I mean, well, you it's, a, mind to it. it's an e-book, so even better. Scalzi writes, um, he never writes anything that's terribly long, and he it's always just light and fluffy, you know, and but has other things going on, too, that are important. And um, I want to say it's like eight hours on audiobook, something like that. It was not a long book. It was good. Yeah. And he's an easy author to read. It's not like I had to take a little bit longer to delve into his prose or anything like that. Yeah, I was I was I'm a slower reader. Chesky will tell you. And I finished this within like a day, maybe a day and a half because I started at work. I read some that night and then I sped through it at work the next day and finished it as soon as I got home. Okay. so is there anything that you guys Anything else? Any last non-spoilery words before we dive full bore into the spoilers? If you like dolphins, this book is for you. If you don't like dolphins, this book is still probably for you. <laughs> I, I would say the criteria for enjoying this book are if you like any of John Scalzi, Cats, Dolphins, and Bond films. Any of those, and there's something in this book for you. I agree. I concur. Yep. Okay. That is going to be our spoilery section. So if you have not already bought and purchased this book because it's on our feed or it's past when it's been released, you should go out and get it. It's a lot of fun. We all really enjoyed it. And we're going to go spoilers now. So in a spoilery section, let's see. What do you guys want to talk about first? We can talk about... We, I think we should talk about our dolphins first off. I think we should attempt a plot synopsis between the four of us without having prepared this at all. Oh, Oh, that's so bad. I want to go last. Please let me go last. I know how it says. Here's how we'll do it. Um, Lammy will say a a sentence, give a plot, and then Red, and then Soul, and then me, and then Lammy, until we finish the book. You can say as much as your sentence. No, I kind of like this game. We're going to try it, and we'll see how good it turns out. Lammy, you're on the floor. Give us a start. Okay, uh, well, first I need to poll the audience here what is the main character's name i've already forgotten that charlie charles yeah charlie Charlie. he's got a cool last name though what's the last name fitzner yeah i'll look it up because it's chuck and then chuck fitz or whatever no he doesn't go by chuck he goes by charlie but didn't people insult him and call him chuck i don't remember i just remember that was funny okay keep going sorry uh, Charlie, our our protagonist, uh, is a bit down on his luck. Uh, he is living in his family's home that he technically inherited, but he, also his siblings inherited. 
And all of his siblings want to sell the place out from under him, leaving him homeless and destitute. Oh, oh, Chesky's Chesky's about to snap oh. on me. What's going on? No, nope, I think moving he's moving it to red now. I think he's cutting <laughs> you off now. Now red has to do something. Come on. Which is, by the way, something I totally identify with because I'm living in my parents' house that I grew up in. <laughs> I bought out my sister. So he finds out that his uncle is dead. This uncle that he's never met, and. Then he gets a call from the lawyer. Oh, geez. How granular do we want to be? Um, oh, we're skipping. Now it's still. Oh, okay. All right, fine. This is terrible. Um, this is a terrible I, idea, Jesse. It's fine. I got a good section, okay? He talks to the lawyer. Lawyer's his friend slash rival because the the lawyer wants to get things done. He wants things to go. So anyways, Charlie finds out his uncle's dead. The key to getting... Uh, he gets some kind of benefits... Of something, whether I think he gets uh, some money, is it? I don't remember exactly what the... buy his house and give it to him. Gotcha. They're going to buy his house, give it to him. That way he can stay in his current living situation. The only thing Charlie has to do is chaperone and host the funeral at the local funeral parlor for his uncle. And all of the crazy guests that entail give him a very weird experience. And then he meets... The assistant to his dead uncle's okay, stuff. Okay, okay, now you go, Chesky. All right. Uh, uh, after he meets with the assistant, she offers him the money. His house blows up. He's taken in by his cats, who, by the way, are super secret spies. They take him to the assistant. He becomes his uncle's de facto inheritor of his super secret spy business that he can't actually do anything with because if you try and touch anything, it'll all fall because money doesn't exist and everybody's bad. He's involved in a plot to be tricked. Okay, Red Snap to Slammy, you're up. He gets introduced to dolphins who are, or, sorry, um, intelligent dolphins who have been made intelligent through bioengineering, same way as the cats, um, who are striking for better working conditions and pay. I don't know what that means for dolphins, but apparently they do or they don't. That wasn't really made clear in the book. Uh, but Charlie, uh, coming from a you know, lower class pro labor background, he's on board with unionization and he backs them. Absolutely. Solidarity, also, brother. He also finds out that his uncle is running like this business that's basically not parking garages, but playing governments off each other. And he's apparently a trillionaire, but it's only on paper. And I love the discussion of liquidity in this book mm -hmm. because that's a real thing. Full turn. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying, she's got to go faster. She didn't have anything new there. Okay. Bam, they're going to what is essentially like the Geneva Con Convention for Criminals. Okay. They're going to go to, I don't remember which uh, which country it is. Was it like... I think it was Greece. It was Greece? Okay, I almost said Italy or something. They go to Greece. He meets... Yeah, Greece is Italy. Get at me in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ooh, dear. I feel like we're going to... You're going to have a lot of Google. angry comments. Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, we don't want to piss them off. Actually, we, we don't care. That's fine. They get there, and Charlie meets his uncle's rival, which is a dude's name I don't remember, and now we'll go to Chesky of what happens his, after the attempted murder. His name is Anton Dobrev, and they listen to the world's worst pitches, where a bad <laughs> pitch ejects you into the water, but you still pitch it because you want that sweet, sweet money. The, he is framed for a murder attempt on Anton Dobrev by one of the other uh, billion trillionaires. He goes into hiding. He arranges meetings. He basically ends up 
inviting the trillionaire back to his island to open up the lost secret vault full of hidden Nazi treasures and other, you know, hidden and mysterious things. No, uh, but it's all a ruse. It's all a ploy to get all of the other evil Bond villain trillionaires uh, who are actually are all super broke. Uh, well, the intent isn't dead. The intent is, I don't remember what the intent was. Yeah, I don't remember either. Broke, basically. One, one of the other guys yeah. kills everybody. Um, but Tobias, the intent was revenge. And Red? it... Tobias revenge. kills everybody because the whole ploy was... What's his face? The guy we just mentioned. Dobra. And Uncle Jet want to destroy this conclave of evil. It was a triple cross. <laughs> it was. Yes. And then you find out that Tobias and Till are actually still dating. And it was all... It was all a ploy. Yeah, as if the chemistry wasn't there. And they were saved at the end by the unionized sea creatures. Oh, yes. <laughs> the fact yep. that they the spent the unionization <laughs> for the whales. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and, yeah. and then at the end, uh, Charlie goes to live with his cats. Not the other way around. Don't you forget. His cats do not live with him. He lives with them. Harry and pays he, the bills. Yeah, and he gets. Say. And he gets the bar that we didn't mention, but that was his mm. goal at the beginning was of the book. McAllister because, of course, or something like that? of course, we have to establish a want and then see it met through unconventional means. Screenwriting 101. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then his, cat, his, cat, his cats come home and live with him. Like, they were originally gone, and he didn't see him for like a year. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's talk characters for a minute. Charlie, how do you guys feel about Charlie? Charlie is, aside from being pro-union, largely not a character. He's just there to to let us see what's going on yeah. and follow along with the plot. I think this was one of my letdowns is that for all that Charlie does, he's not really, he doesn't do anything that's unconventional that actually affects the book at large, aside from maybe talking with the dolphins a little bit. Um, so I mean, they could have replaced him with almost anybody and had it work. Red, you look like you have some thoughts about Charlie. Sadly, it's just to agree with you guys. He's not really, he's a character. There are some interesting things about, like, you get some backstory and you find out that he took care of his dad while he was dying and blah, blah, blah. But he's just kind of there. He's reactionary. There's nothing about him that's unique except, like, his circumstances is meant to relate to, like, the everyday person or people that are going through some tough times. And, I don't know, he doesn't have the voice, that he doesn't draw you in. It was tough getting into this novel because it doesn't really hit anything and get really interesting for the first, like, was it at least 10, 15% of the book? And then it, you, once you start meeting the interesting characters and plots, that's when it starts getting good. I mean, I'm glad he gets to own Cheers at the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then who is your favorite character, Solution? I think Hera, right? That's her name? That's the, cat? the cat, yep. Yeah. Who should, like Lamy mentioned, uh, continuity here in the cover versus the artist's design. Hera is a, this is a tabby, like one of the orange ones? Uh, orange and white cat. Yes, orange and white cats. So, yeah, she's cute. Uh, actually cared about Charlie, showed up and saved him multiple times. And just, uh, you know, for a creature that has a brain the size of a walnut... She's got stuff going on. She knows what she's doing. She's a good character. I would like to go back to Charlie for just a second because he okay. is clearly brave. Like he takes okay. 
real physical risks. Oh yeah, no, he he steps up at the funeral when uh, one of when Tobias I think Tobias yeah tries yeah. to stab <laughs> his what we his believe is his uncle's corpse. I have no idea if there was an actual body there yeah. if it was if it was a double. I don't know. It could have gone either way. It wasn't mentioned. It's not really important. Um, yeah. All right, Brad, who's your favorite character? I'm going to have to say Hera, too. I hate to be, like, super agreeing. Fine. So I'll by Hera, too, you mean Artemis? <laughs> no, I mean Hera also. <laughs> and actually, Artemis would not be Hera, too. Artemis is related to Diane. Nah. I don't know my Greek mythology, not to refute you. Well, they're, so you keep right. going. they're clones what of an original, you... so... <laughs> what do you like about Hera? She, like, everything, everything that Soul said. Her diversified portfolio. That that's good money awesome. making. Her good money management. <laughs> Very smart. Hera is competent in all the ways that Charlie is not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The caretaker of the the family. All right, all right. Lammy, who's your favorite? Uh, I got to go with uh, whichever dolphin was the spokesman whose name I don't think I'm allowed oh. to say. Are you talking here? about seventy three, aka who gives a crap? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a little more. It's more explicit uh, than that, R-rated yeah. than that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah, just all of the dolphin interactions were amazing. Dolphins were funny. I liked I liked his assistant Morrison. I think um, not to say I didn't like any of the ones you guys picked, but uh, she was just coldly, you know, coolly competent. And she's like, he's like, why can't we have like a big lava water waterfall? And he's like, well, she's like, well, it's just not practical. And you know what happens if this? And what about that? And He's like, okay, fine, like, you're right. Or, like, this would have been so much more satisfying if I had, you know, slammed a big screen, you know, if my screen was bigger. And she's like, well, then it would have crushed you. And he's like, you know, that's not what I meant. But she's like, well, but it's true. And, you know, it's what you get. And can we melt people in the lava? It's like, yes, sort of. But lava's really viscous and people don't really, like go into it they just sort of float on top because it's much thicker than than anything in the human body and then they just sort of catch fire and it smells bad (laughs) yeah i just i love her her, they get crispy (laughs) competence and just like her nonchalantness about everything it was like yeah we could do that but eh, this is the way we do do it because it makes more sense and it's the right way to do it and he's like but these are all my cool tropes that i want to do and and she's just like nope we're gonna sail off without them well, All in right. that scene where they're interrogating the C- the CIA agent, and he's gonna, he's like, "I get to pick my death." <laughs> and go through. Well, I mean, sharks really don't want to eat people. They usually just bite you and swim off, and then we have to liquefy you in a barrel anyway. <laughs> it was very fun. Okay, so what did you guys have? Anything you want to talk about, Lammy? Hit me up. I I very much have something I want to talk about, which is. I would like to teach all of you about orange cats. Ooh, they got no brain cells, right? Uh, so first off, um, the orange fur gene is sex linked in, in cats. So the vast majority of orange cats that you will ever see are going to be male. Um, female orange cats are possible. They're just rare. I have a female orange cat. She's an idiot, uh, which leads me to my next point. Orange cats are real dumb. Just sort of across the board. Um, there is there is a bit of a meme about them of all orange cats share one brain cell. There is there is a single orange cat brain cell just that just goes around the world, occasionally settling on a single orange cat at a time. Not for long, ever. So the idea that any amount of genetic engineering can turn an orange cat into 
a being smarter than a human is outright ridiculous. I refuse to accept it. John Scalzi, you have written a bad book that I really liked. <laughs> That's fair say, criticism. Uh, orange cats Very fair orange criticism by Lamy. Yeah. I think yes. I've heard this joke before in reference to men, though. Most uh, orange cats have some white though. to them. That's that's not relevant. Okay. All right. I mean, I own black cats, so. Brad, did you have something you wanted to talk about? <laughs> um, I am flummoxed by the end of this book because they have this money-making business. Granted, they can't spend all the money because they well, they. Get- they spend one dollar and then it pulls it from somewhere else that it can't, and it just you spend a dollar, it's right. all gone. Yeah. Right. But they have this business where, first of all, they have this sweet setup and on this island, and basically all of their projects that they're doing, somebody else is paying for. So why shut it down? Like why pension off everybody? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Charlie shouldn't go somewhere else because he clearly does not belong in this world. But um. Why was the goal to shut everything down? I didn't understand that. I thought it was so weird. Well, I, the, in my estimation, it was because his uncle and uh, Dobrev have de- had decided that it had gotten too far, and that if anybody, like all of them, were in debt, right? And so they, you know, except for his uncle and and Dobrev, right? Everybody else was basically in debt up to mm-hmm. their eyeballs, right? No, I understand the part where they want to kill everybody. Like, I get that. No, no, no. I, what I'm saying is that eventually they would try to use those funds, which would lead to more widespread economic collapse, which would cause, you know, more turmoil for the world versus if they kind of shut it all down and they destroy it, then it's, you know, hopefully the governments, they won't have that option anymore. The governments to say, oh, we want, you know, this to attack our enemies. They'll try, they'll have to do it the regular way. Instead of through secret shadow ops ways is kind of my mm-hmm. thoughts. I don't buy it. I don't buy yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with you. I assume this was not specifically titled retirement, but something similar where they were just like, this is the, the end game of their careers that they just wanted to kind of do this. Yeah. Also, listeners, there is a very, very cute cat that looks like what we would assume Hera would look like um, on Lanny's, Lanny's webcam right now. This is my sweet baby peanut. She is nice. an orange cat. And now is she secretly a spy that gets on your communica- your computer to talk to her lawyer? No, she gets on my computer all the time to just walk on it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, Solution, what did you want to bring up about this book? Hit us with um, it. It was just a lot of, lot of fun. Uh, it's been a little while since I've read it, but I just really enjoyed Bond films in general and seeing those influences here and just the humor as far as the situation, like unionized dolphins and like Lammy mentioned, like the way we kill people and Bond films and other stuff like that is just silly, but it's not too overdone. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's just a fun book that's not too long. Poking fun and everything. Okay. Now, is this a, uh, this is not a single twist book. This is not a double cross book. Is it a triple cross book or is it a quadruple cross book? I think after you get past a double cross, it no longer matters which what kind of cross it is. Well, that's it's a it's a multi cross. We are very obsessive people here. We have to get this figured out. It's a quadruple. Um, Once once we got past the double cross stage, I was just sort of buckled in and along for the ride. And I stopped paying attention to who was trying to betray who and just assumed everybody was betraying everybody. Yep. 
I was kind of thinking that Charlie would just not be trying to betray people and then it would work out. You know, he would somehow his non-betrayal would, they would betray each other and somehow not betray him at the same time by accident kind of a thing, which does kind of happen. Yeah, It did sort of work out that way, but only because his uncle and Dobrev had already worked out They'd already betrayed everything else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Here's a real question. Did you guys call that the uh, container was going to be completely empty after they opened it? It was all a fake. I wasn't trying to call anything. I was just like, like Lamy said, I was along for the ride, whatever. Yeah, I was. Go ahead. You sucked into really analyzing it. Yeah, I mean, I might have some vague notions and idea like, oh, this could be wrong or this could be fake or this could be real, but in a different way. Most of the time, I don't really care when as long as they do it well, it's fine. Okay. had I read this like way slower, uh, then maybe I don't know. I didn't really give myself time to time to ponder anything. I was just like, all right, next page. Great. All right. Here, let's do let's do some favorite scenes and I'll. I'll start and tell you guys one of my favorite scenes. It's when he is talking with, uh, I think it's Gratis. It's the trillionaire who's super in debt and kind of the instigator of the betrayals here. And he's trying to get a Zoom call meeting with him. And Gratis opens the Zoom call and then he's muted. And Charlie's like, hey, you're muted. You have to unmute. And then he finally unmutes and he starts screaming. And then Charlie's like, oh, wait, hey, is this an encrypted line? And he's like, I don't. And then the laptop slams shut on him. And then he opens it back up, and he's like, okay. And then you know, calls him, and he hangs up again because he's just not getting the message. And finally goes to his assistants with Tobias and Morrison, and they're just like, hey, you have to be like, you know, he's not going to respond well to these threats. You have to just, like, actually calm down and talk. It's just a hilarious scene where he's like, it's that feeling you always want to do where you're like, hey, your mic's muted. Your mic's muted. No, the, the mute button, not the video. No, it's this. And then just to slam the laptop down and lock it. It just, it was satisfying in a good way. I love that scene. I mean, whomst amongst us has not had someone completely tech illiterate that you were forced to to do this, just suffer through. <laughs> yeah, I literally had that situation like last weekend. Yeah, sometimes when you get a book that you're reading it and you can really relate to it because of something that happened. I've had a certain scene happen in a book years ago where it described exactly what I was doing while I was reading the book. And I dropped the book. I was just laughing my ass. Uh, sorry, laughing my butt off. And it was just a great time. This is one of those where it's like, we can all relate to this because especially with the like resurgence of COVID and like how we're doing meetings and Zoom and all this stuff all the time now. It's just so relatable. Ah, uh, people. Some people just right, don't know how to uh, work computers. Solution, what's your favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene has got to be... One sec, Lammy, you're muted. Yep, oh, doing a bit. That's... Yep, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm so bad. And fell not, right for not, it. I fell right yeah. for it. I work, I am <laughs> IT, so I have to, have to help people with this all the time. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, solution, go back to your, your favorite scene. I'm sorry. It's going to be when Charlie gets to Greece, and he gets to the hotel, and he finally meets the villain squad and the convention members and he has to be intimidated by them and has a little walk with the mentor and then he shows a little bit of his own bravery and a little bit of his own smarts and that's i think that the most we're really going to get of charlie being like the man and uh yeah it was was just fun yeah i like that scene great it's a good scene lammy what's your favorite oh it's got to be um after the 
after the big meetup in Greece, when he finally gets back to his island and he's being threatened and he's like talking to the guy and he's like, all right, so you are here as as the representative of the of the entire group, right? You're threatening me with the whole group, right? Cool. And then he uses his super satellite missile thing that was introduced earlier in the book to blow up a completely different dude's satellite who is also in the group. Yeah, that was a good scene. I love it. Okay, Red, what's your favorite scene? Uh, the negotiations with the dolphins. Um, All right. And so this is, it's kind of funny and lighthearted and, you know, that we've learned that one of the trainers had been reading the Das Kapital, which I found very funny. But when they said, I, we want reproductive rights, we want to be able to, because they're all on birth control. They're all also cloned. Yeah, Yeah. they're all clones. It's all just the same dolphin. They just gave them different numbers. And so this also kind of reminds me of a theme that's in um, Uplift War, that there's Mm -hmm. this humans are uplifting the animals and then making them do stuff with their reproduction. And you're going to make animals smart. Shouldn't they have some say in that? (laughs) In their reproduction, I mean. So anyway, it's kind of a more serious thing, not a funny thing, but I really enjoyed that part. That's fair. Also, you're allowed to like serious things, right? Yeah, you're allowed to bring the podcast in. Uterine replicators. I want those things. And well, it... the government isn't paying for those, so you're <laughs> never going to get them. If we've learned anything from Scalzi's book, it's that the government secretly funds everything by accident. <laughs> except for that. Okay. Uh, let's see. I don't know. What else do you guys want to bring up about this great book that we read? Wait, Chesky, did you not give us your favorite scene? Yeah, oh, yours? my favorite scene is the laptop slamming screen. The oh, laptop right. That's it was? Yes. Okay. Um, I like, I think it's funny that the island is Guinevere and then everything is named Jenny on <laughs> the entire island. Yes. Also, I want to point out a secondary favorite scene for me is the, uh, the what is it, the liftoff scene where they're given the pitch and they're all... Pitch and pitch. Just, just, yeah, yeah, the pitch and pitch. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Because it wasn't and too long. Everyone giving pitches is apparently just like the the worst possible whatever you think of in your head when you think of frat tech bro. Yep. It, it is the worst version of that. They're all yeah. terrible. And they, and they absolutely deserve to be launched several miles out to sea. Mm-hmm. That was pretty funny. Uh, I also want to mention the acknowledgments. Okay. I just love how much John loves his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he just, it's the acknowledgements were a lot of fun and he acknowledges some of his influences and stuff. But if you follow him on Twitter, it's all about his cats and how much he loves his wife. And that's this book. Fair. Maybe if we cover enough Scalzi books, we will get an acknowledgement. I doubt it, but you never know. We can I mean, try. We can we're have gonna him back up... on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like you guys are going to do that anyways. So, okay. I mean, whether whether there's a podcast involved or not, I'm going to keep reading the dude's books because yeah, he they're just they're just fun. And he cool. he very much writes in in a like he writes books for me. I don't know that he intends to write books for me, but he does. Yeah, and he has a very consistent writing style. Um, I I haven't read any really bad books um, from him. So now and I think oh, read. I was going to say, and I think he even says, if you like one of my books, you're probably going to like all of them. And if you don't like one of my books, probably not going to like any of them. Something along those lines. Like when he was on our podcast. Yeah. He's like, this is how I write. (laughs) 
Uh, in talking about his writing, does his writing, do you guys enjoy it? Do you feel like he needs, is his prose good? Is his length good? I mean, what do you guys think? Just to give us a little bit more to talk about with Starter's Villain here. I mean, okay, so his prose isn't overly poetic. You're not getting Rothfuss from this guy. Um, but it, it is extraordinarily easy to read, as evidenced by all of us finishing the book in zero time at all. Like mm-hmm. we all we all flew through this book, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is which is, uh, you know, a sign of, if not necessarily good writing, depending on what you think of as good writing, but definitely effective writing. Effective, I like it. Now, in the question here, it says uh, not that question, but uh, some people would say that if it's too simple of writing or too easy of writing, that it's not necessarily good writing. What's your take on that, Lammy, in regards to Scalzi's book? Oh, man, I've had this conversation about Sanderson about a billion times already. (laughs) Uh, So a lot of these criticisms uh, choose simple prose to mean bad prose and complex or poetic prose to being good prose. That's not the thing at all. Like there, there is good, simple prose. There is bad, simple prose. There is good poetic prose. There is bad poetic prose. There's good complex writing. There's bad complex writing. John Scalzi is a good writer who uses simple prose. I like that that explanation. That's a great explanation. Let me. Think. I've you I've had to, so much time to practice it, Chesky. You've you've <laughs> distilled it down to its purest form. I like it. This, um, like our good friend Aridandis would say, there's good writing and there's bad writing, and there's good books and bad books. So, uh, solution. What's your take on this? Sure. I would say it's competent. That's what I like. I don't need flowery pose. And there's even probably 10,000 messages in our server arguing about flowery as a negative connotation to prose being too poetic. But sometimes you're in the mood for that. Sometimes you're not. I would just want to say most of the time I'm in the mood for a Scalzi novel where I don't need complex prose. I want a fun idea, plot, character, setting, all of that. He hits it all. And I don't need complex prose to go along with it to have a great time. And that's evidenced by all the roughly four stars that we give his books, at least. Mm -hmm. So I would say I enjoy his stuff and I will continue to keep reading his books. I like that uh, you called it competent writing. It's very good. I mean, it's very competent. Like he's very skilled. He knows what he wants to write and he writes it how he wants it to be done. So Red, you had a little thought there? I do. And my thought is that... There is a certain attitude that by being poetic, you're being deep. Does that make sense? And that sometimes you read some of these books and I'm like, look, if I have to spend 10 minutes trying to figure out what this sentence means, you're not, as Soul said, competent. Um, And I think that, look, I like some flowery writers and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that there's a lot of writers that write that way because they're not actually really that good at writing does that make sense you see this more in academic work than you do in in literature but you do see it in in literature and Scalzi's great I think he's a good writer unlike a certain other author that I've discussed with Lammy who's not a good writer but I still like him he's enjoyable all right (laughs) well I mean don't toy with people tell them that it's Simon R. Green Green. (laughs) I don't know what it is Simon R. Green it's when we get you to plugs. You do that to my boy, Simon? No, I've never oh, he's, books, he's I, don't, a, I don't know. It's fine. He's a terrible author that I love. 
Okay, same. that's fine. Same. I'll trust you. Um, He's not good. <laughs> Kieran did have another question. How many cats? Oh, so. in the book? Sure. Oh, well, there th three that get named, right? No, because I think four? the villains name their cats. All the villains. Yeah. And there's uh, uh, Mrs. Tum Tum. So 12. 12. Yeah, but do we get the names of the villains' yeah, cats? We do. Oh, okay. We do. But let's just say. There are two or three main cats and yeah. a lot of cats in the periphery. Yeah. So it's a to good cat To book. fill out the cat cast. So number of cats equal yes. Equals mm -hmm. yes. Perfect. <laughs> You're very good at this, uh, making these long and difficult answers succinct and beautiful. Cats <laughs> equals yes. Yeah, I think I love he's it. exactly okay. what Huron's looking for for a lot of these answers. <laughs> There's 14 named cats. We'll take right, either either okay. Red has a photographic memory and she just went into her mind palace or she Googled. No, I went into my mind palace. She <laughs> went to her mind palace. Okay, let's see. I don't really have too much else to talk about. I'm kind of tapped out here. Is there anything before we end that you guys want to talk about? Uh, I have like a closing statement that I would like to make, but it looked like Soul had something first. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Sorry. Oh. Oh, that it's was just a thumbs up, not a not it a. It was my shorthand with Cheska. He knows I'm. I'm I would out. like I'm to. Okay. I know souls, all souls, yeah. mannerisms in yeah. recording. All right. Uh, so I guess my my closing statement is: uh, this is a fun play on sort of the tropes and world of of Bond films that is unique amongst the various other things that I've seen do this. So like, this isn't Austin Powers. This isn't. Uh, wow, I've lost the name of the movies. Uh, Kingsman? Kingsman, there we go. Yeah, Thank you. I was, I was trying to think, what else is like not Austin Powers, but still a riff? Yeah, this isn't Austin Powers, this isn't Kingsman, this isn't Bourne. Like, this is playing with Bond stuff in a way that I haven't seen before, which is great. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Brad, some final thoughts? Just go read it. It's a lot of fun. After you read Rhythm of War, which is like a bazillion pages long, it's nice to have a nice, short, fun, punchy novel. Yeah, okay. just like Kaiju, this does work very well as a nice palate cleanser. It's quick, exactly. it's short, it's fun. Yeah. Solution? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to agree with them. It's a, it's a great book. You should definitely go read it. Um, I think Lemmy had a great point. It's not like Austin Powers, which is raunchy in comedy. This is just meta in uh, comedy for Bond, and that's it's fun. It's a good one. Perfect. All right. I've had lots of closing thoughts, but it, it's a good book. It's a fun book. If you read it, you'll most likely enjoy it. Just sit back and enjoy the ride. Now, it's time for some shameless plugs. Now, I think we're going to start this time with Red. Red, do you want to start with a shameless plug for yourself? Oh, I have a podcast called Wordless. That's two words. And I've had all of you on it, I think, at one point or another, including us discussing Simon R. Green. It's with me and Era. And uh, yeah, listen, like, subscribe. Okay. Uh, Lammy, I know you have something to, to plug. Uh, you can catch me almost every week. I've not been great about editing lately, but almost every week on the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast, uh, where we go into the Cosmere works of Brandon Sanderson, uh, about 50 pages at a time. We just recorded episode 250. So there is a pretty tremendous backlog and... Don't feel beholden to that. Just jump to whatever book you want to actually hear about. Okay, perfect. Solution, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you want to plug Green Team? Um, well, you're here, so everybody keep listening to Green Team. We're about to do our 200th episode very soon, and we're going to record that. 
So uh, actually that should already be out before this one is. So you missed it. All right. Stick around, I guess. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, and I'll quickly just uh, plug that I, I do a 15 minute podcast about fantasy books. Most of the time it just evolves into me gushing and like raving about how good the book was. Um, I'm not going to apologize for it. That's who I am. Um, if you listen, you'll probably enjoy it. Uh, but that's it. It's called Libromancy. There you go. Now, that's going to conclude our episode of Starter Villain. Um, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on the Legendarium's Discord server. We want to thank the Legendarium for loaning us this little corner of their media empire. Thanks, Horizon Brave, for starting this off for us. Um, the music is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punks. We'd like to thank them. And thank you so much for joining me today, Lammy, Red, and Solution, and talking about this uh, great Scalzi book. We'll see you guys in the next episode. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.